Vicki Abelson, and my guest today is Stuart Pankin. Stuart! Vicki! I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, what a pleasure. What a pleasure. Thanks for yeah. asking it, it You know, I was so excited. I went over to wish Gregory Harrison a happy birthday. And you had uh, commented, you, you had liked whatever or whatever it was that I wrote. And, um, and I thought, Stuart Pankin. And I immediately knew, you know, for me, not necessarily the news. I mean, that that's where you came into my life. Yeah, um, is that is that what you get? Do you get that? I mean, we have to be a little seasoned to know that but yeah, do you exactly. still get that oh yeah yeah um uh it was a it was a game changer for me and uh oh. and people still uh, know and reference the show and keep saying why don't you do it again why don't you do it again well there's a lot of reasons technical and others that we can't but uh yeah not necessarily the news that changed my life okay wait Stuart. oh yes we are okay i was going to stop you because i didn't see us but i do i bet i bet oh see look at this i bet it look look at what's going on nothing but professional here um when you okay so i know you were before we get to to not necessarily the news i have to find out how you got there so i know you were born raised in philly is that the deal that's correct and so was it school plays? Were you the class clown? What was your deal in school? No, I, I got more trouble than, than, than <laughs> clowning. Uh, the, I always, if you want to go back that far, I've always knew that I wanted to, to, to sort of, you know, ham it up. I used to, in family dinners, I used to do stuff. I don't remember what, but I know I liked to being in front of people. And then Were when your I got, family show busy people? No. Well, no. My uncle, Tom Brotherton, was actually a very well-known in the business, treasurer of the Alvington. He was asked by Florence Ziegfeld to come to manage the, the, the Follies when he was in Philadelphia. He started in Philadelphia and he was asked by Ziegfeld to manage the Follies. He's a great yeah. trader. But wow. that's, a, yeah, that, that's, that's something that's, uh, that I'm, I'm happy for him. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> but uh, but he, uh, that's the only real showbiz connection. Because when I was young, and going to school, I was, you know, struggling like everybody. And in high school, when I even, the little tickle of, of acting bug, you know, started to crawl around in me, the, the, uh, the auditorium collapsed. There was no, in high school, the auditorium, the, not the gym, the auditorium collapsed. We had no auditorium for, for years when I was in school. So there was no theater. There was no, you wow. know, I, did, I think I did, I remember doing a Chekhov short one act in the library, you know, in the in the cafeteria with a couple of people. So I knew the 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 itch was in me. Right. Not until I got to college, and I was going to be a psychology major. I signed up to be a psychology major in college because I I liked it so much in high school. But you know, when that audition call came out, and as I say, walked across that cold, scary, lonely campus to to audition for uh, for the first play at Dickinson. Uh, I was hooked. I was do hooked. you remember what the play was? Of course oh, you do. Yeah. yeah, it was Our Town. It oh. was the first play in the, in a new theater designed by somebody very famous, and I don't remember. But uh, okay. it was the absolute first play in that new theater, the Mathers Theater. And uh, I, I, I moved furniture. You know, I carried benches and, and was, a, was, a, was, a, was an extra, whatever, you know. Uh, but, I, you know, I met my teacher, who later became my friend, and mentor Dave Brubaker and I was I was hooked I mean that 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 I, did, I what did you that. get cast in in our town in our town what, what was your I, I, I moved furniture I was a, I was a town you 
You were a chance person. Yeah, and there was no small actors, only there are no small roles, only small actors, right? Only short actors. Yeah. uh, (laughs) My, my, uh, there was no drama major uh, in my college when I was there. There were five courses. And eventually I took four of them because Dave said, uh, you know, you're acting. I acted in everything I could. So he said, you don't have to take the acting class. And my friend Bernie said, there's no drama. He says, well, the proper major for a drama person is English in that particular situation. I became an English major. Uh, uh-huh. Now, of course, there's, an, in, there's English, there's drama majors in every college in the country, in the world. Right. But uh, I didn't. And maybe that was a good thing. You know, maybe that was a, a good thing that I wasn't so immersed in the in the mystique of the theater so i had to learn it slowly as i as i went through life did you study all through did you continue to study pat i know you went to graduate school we'll talk about that but did you continue to study acting through your career your early career just just graduate school went from co- from college to graduate school and that was columbia hello columbia, yeah. hello it was <laughs> uh, it, it was great for a lot of reasons uh, it was great teachers. There were some great teachers there. <laughs> teachers used to tell us, well, you're all hotshot college actors, aren't you? <laughs> you said, well, well, we'll change that, you know. <laughs> but they, they taught us technique, you know. I, Robert Neff Williams, who was one of the greatest voice teachers in New York at the time, was our teacher. He was spectacular. He was, he was you know, and a lot, most of the teachers were, were you know, it was revelatory for me because I never studied acting like that. I'd only done plays, you know, right. never studied it. So they taught you movement and, 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 and dance, you could, if you could believe it, and vocal stuff to, and showed you the difference. And it was- Did you have singing as well? Because you, I was saying before yes. we went out live, yes, you're amazing. Well, thank you. Well, no, yes, you there are. Was a, there was a, there's a, a couple of teachers, Marie Champol, was my voice teacher at Columbia. And we went out to this place in, you know, midtown Manhattan and we studied, you know, singing. I don't know if it helped me or not, but, uh, you know, I, I did it and I, I love singing. I mean, I just, I just love it. You have a, le- you have a legit stage voice, which is, you know, that's, that takes, that takes work. Well, yeah. Th- I mean, I've done a bunch of musicals and, and enjoyed doing it. A lot of, mostly a lot of character stuff, you know, I, it's not, I didn't play, you know, Pagliacci, but I, I, you know, I played a, a lot of things in a lot of different musicals and, you know, not to beat a dead uh, uh, larynx, but I enjoy, I mean, I really, uh, I really enjoyed the singing and, and the process of it. As Have a hobby, you... I, I, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. I said, as a hobby, I do song parodies. I, I, I take music from other things and I write lyrics to, to, to songs and I sing them for friends or in events or people are leaving town. You know, I enjoy doing that. Like these, uh, I'm sure you'll talk about these uh, fundraising things. That I, I was just going to say, I as soon as, uh, did I tell the story? Of, yeah, about Gregory Harrison. And you were on Trapper John, correct? Is that how you know Gregory? Yeah, that's one of the reasons. We also did a play together, a reading a couple for a couple of nights up in uh, Ventura. Yeah, he's a great guy. But Trapper he's John, a- yeah, that's what I meant. Wonderful guys. So yes, yeah, so I met you there and then I immediately went to your Facebook page and I was like, oh my God, Stuart Pinkin. And, and then there was this wonderful song and dance uh, whole routine from a, from a high school fundraiser, which right. is fantastic that you do to begin with. But then you did bits from, um, what did you do? Where would you be with that? I can't remember what, what you did, but- well, I, there was, Yeah, there was two of them. One, one uh, was the first one. We did three of them, Kreppel and I, Paul Kreppel. Uh, the first one was we started out where would you be with that and then it turned into a parody of uh, do you love me uh, because we've known each other for such a long time and then we did another one which was a food mill I had lost 95 pounds 
and and we decided to do a medley of food parodying food <laughs> celery people who love celery, <laughs> you know that kind of stuff but it goes on and on so that's what we did uh, for the hamilton high school uh, uh musical department because i had a lot of friends who had kids at hamilton and i was happy to do it through that's so wonderful well speaking of kids and family so You've been married for 47 years, which is absolutely crazy to me. Um, and, and, you, <laughs> and you met Joy. How did you meet Joy? At Columbia, at Columbia, at the graduate program. Uh, we were, we were uh, I don't know what they call them, freshmen, first years at Columbia. Yeah. And, and as soon as I saw her, I said to myself, you know, I, this woman is, uh, she's for me. And uh, I pursued her, and I finally, after three years, you know, got her to go out with me. It's tough to, it's tough to, to, I don't know, well, maybe I'm wrong. It's either tough or not tough to become per really personal with somebody that you see every day, you know, five days a week, sweating in, 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 in workout clothes, you know, and, <laughs> and, and watching you succeed and fail in classes. It's, it's, it, some people might say it's tough to, to, to get by that and to get into a, into a personal relationship. But I knew, I knew. I told a, a mutual friend of mine, I said, you know, I'm going to marry that, that girl. How, really? How soon yeah. did you say that? Well, Pretty not soon. That, not, yeah, last night I said it. <laughs> well, I guess I said it my second year, you know, maybe at the end of the first year. I just knew it. There's something about it that, and still is. It's just wonderful. She just swelled. Now, did she know, did she, it's, you said it took you three years to get her, but did she, did she later confess that she knew too, or did she not know? No, uh, I, I, I don't know if she was put up on me, you know, you know, staring <laughs> at her, you know, <laughs> five, 15 hours a day. Uh, I, I don't think, I don't know. I mean, when she went out with me, the first time we went out, I knew I was going to marry her. I just, Aww. I just knew it. And, uh, and but I don't know if she was, you know, in her mind said, he's the guy for me, or if I had to, had to make that happen. You know, it's, it costs a lot of money to own a wife, but it's worth it in the end. <laughs> it takes more money to disown a wife, I understand. <laughs> oh, all right. I don't want to, I don't want to find out. Yeah, no, you, oh God, you know, and I took my phone off the hook. I'm this talking is crazy to making. Vicky. Uh, uh, you know, and I took, all right, wait. Oh what Vicky doesn't know is that phone call. You know, <laughs> all right, wait a minute. Now I'm unplugged. This just pisses me off. Now I lost my things because I was all prepared and you know, it doesn't work. Oh, it's God. Fine. Here, you know, look, and I'm in my shirt and now I got to put it in the front. This really pisses me off because, you know, I do the technology thing and then it screws with me anyway. Every time. Every time. Every time. So, um, did you enjoy do stuff together in school? Did you perform together? Uh, oh yeah, in school we did some some scenes together, but mostly in the early seventies. Joy went to school in uh, in Pennsylvania, and she was part of a founding a member of a of a basically a, a non equity theater summer theater program. Uh huh. So, uh, and she helped, and then it became a, a really terrific, uh, just the summer theater. What, what program is that? What it was called, it was, it's a St. Vincent uh, Theater. It's at St. Vincent College in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. We got married there, we have dear friends there. I mean, and that's, that's when my father died, I, I needed some place to go. 
and she said, come with me. And I, and I went to her theater and uh, stayed there off and on for, you know, gazillion years, you know, doing plays and, and things that I would probably never be cast at in, in the real world. But I got So to can you give us an example of what something like that, Stuart? Well, at that age, Callie's uh, um, Folly, uh, All the King's Men, um, uh, Born Yesterday, uh, Day and the Death of Joe Egg, uh, you know, Moliere, a couple of, a bunch of Moliere's, things that, you know, eventually I might have been cast out if I'd stayed in the theater, but at that time, you know, not, nobody knew me, so, but the people who ran the theater, you know, got to know me, know me and they did these, it wasn't typical summer theater fair. It wasn't Natalie Needs a Nighty or Under the Yum Yum Tree. We did, <laughs> you, you know, all the King's Men. That ain't, that and they and yeah. away. These are, and Moliere, uh, and they did Moliere for, you know, a, a lot. I mean, some guy came up to the director and said, I love that, I love that Mr. Tooth. We did Tartooth. I love that Mr. Tooth. <laughs> but we did a lot of terrific, terrific shows and uh, imaginary input. It was just, it was, you know, it seems pedantic to say a learning experience. It was, but mostly it became deep inside me because it was fun to do, working with some wonderful people who became and still are dear friends over, you know, over the years, 40, 50 Did years. anybody else from that company go on to have a career? In public, well, there's an actor named Greg Thorne who worked mm -hmm. in Alabama and uh, recently at the uh, San Diego Shakespeare Festival. He became a professional actor. Greg Lanahagen, uh, who is uh, who worked there, terrific actor. These are both good actors. He's running a theater company in Florida, so they might not be in the public eye, but they're that's doing, okay. They're doing what they love. If it, and, uh, this is what I wanted to say to you, Stuart. You, I, I you really have lived a, have have had a career that I dreamt of having when I was a college thespian, because you've done so much theater, which was my love. And so much theater, but you've also crossed over and you've done screens big and small and gotten to do and then can go back and do more theater and come back and do more film. To me, that is you are a working actor who has never stopped. You've you've did you did you ever have to have a job job? You know, uh, I'm embarrassed or happy to say no, I worked in an office. Wow. I, I, you know how in New York you, you have to audition for a typing job. You go in, <laughs> so they gave me a typing job. They and then I got a job, a theater job, and I quit. They were so happy to see me go. They, you know, as I was out the door, they were pointing at some of my work and says, "Why did really? Why did you do this? What made you think that this would gone out?" And I was happy to go, and they were thrilled to have me go. <laughs> so, okay, so when you were at Columbia and you knew this is the path you, you knew before, but that's when you really got serious about the path you wanted to take. What did your, what did your dream, what, what did it look like to you in your mind's eye? What did you want then? Wow. Uh, I knew did you want to be a movie star? What did you want? Oh, no, no. As a matter of fact, the old, the old thing that goes through my mind is when you're in theater in New York or wherever you are, you know, there's a lot of great mm -hmm. theaters around the country. You say, how do I get to Hollywood? How do I get to that mansion and those pools and those cars? And then when you're in Hollywood, whether you have or not, you say, how can I get back to the theater? How can I get back to doing what I really love? And what you said is, is true. I was lucky enough to be able to go from, from uh, film stuff back to doing plays with Joy 
you know, over the years. But as far as movies, no, no. I just knew that I, I wanted to go to Columbia. Another, and people, a lot of people, maybe even today, would say, "Why did you? Why did you go to graduate school? Why don't you just get out there? Get out! You know, put yourself no. out there." Well, my my answer to that is, you need the technical uh, uh, skills, expertise. Yes, you need the yes. skills with voice and movement and sword fighting, and and all that stuff. You can't just go out there. So many people go out there, and yeah, some of them are successful, but they're not going to do, you know, Hamlet. They're not going to do right. You, know, you did a lot of classical theater. Well, not yeah, a lot. I carried a spear, you know, <laughs> literally carried a spear uh, in the Shakespeare Festival for a while. But yeah, so I went to graduate school thinking that uh, that that's the thing to do. I think in my day, back in the 1830s, that was the thing. <laughs> that was the thing to do to get to get ahead. In Colombia, God bless them, they're wonderful people. They never really gave us many, uh, in, much information about the real world. Okay, so were, were, you, were students in your class, were you allowed to audition outside of Colombia? Were kids doing that or no? Was everybody staying in the program? Well, I don't know, but I, I don't think we were not allowed to, mm -hmm. to do that. I don't know if other kids, I think when I was a Colombian- oh, Excuse me. Bless you. Uh, when I was a Columbia, oh, boy, I'm having a hard time you. today. Thank you. Is it me? Because I can leave. I no, I'm, I'm having an allergic reaction. Yeah. Excuse me. Right. Yes, I'm allergic to you, Stuart. Vicky is uh, allergic to me. Through the through the through the, the thing. Through the, so you didn't have time, I, I'm sure you were busy. Well, in I'm trying to think of the when I was at Columbia. In the summer, I worked at the Shakespeare Festival. I, I did audition, uh, and that, that's what I did. And I think I did one or two off, 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 <laughs> you know, down in the village. Uh, so I guess people, we were, we weren't told not to audition. No. Uh, I think they probably, if they were really smart, encourage it to get some some practical experience. So now, but, when you were when you were at Columbia, did you? I assume did you audition for plays there? Did you get what you, or was it all study? Was it, well, there's there were, a great theater at, at Columbia. Well, we, we weren't in the, in the main campus. We were okay. at uh, Miles Cooper down on 100th Street. Uh, ah. It was an old hospital that they transformed into. And we did plays. I mean, they, we did plays mostly, as I recall, it's a long time ago, there were scenes we were assigned scenes or directors who were studying directing in the program ask for certain actors to do their scenes or do their mm -hmm. plays. And the third year at Columbia was, uh, we did a play. Instead of writing a thesis, they said you can write a thesis and be done with it or spend another year and do, a, uh, and do an original play. So um, uh, uh, that's, that's what Joy and I and a bunch of other people decided to do. Isaiah Sheffer, who ran the 92nd Street Y in New York, uh -huh. a wonderful producer. He ran that thesis program, and we eventually did write a thesis. We had to write a thesis based on our experiences, but that that was definitely a play. But during the course of Columbia, yeah, we did plays and little scenes and and lots of lots of stuff, which was kind of fun because it was all different. Okay, so I interrupted your answer to my question. What was the dream when you were starting out? What what to you was going to be? What trajectory did you want to take? Theater, just to be a working uh, theater actor. Uh, it never, it never really went beyond that. The, so the there was thing. no, there was no Hollywood in your brain at that time. No, that whole concept of you know going to Hollywood and then how do you get back to New York happened later. You know, it happens when when you get it. 
but I, I think, to be honest with you, if I can remember, the, the thing that went through my mind is, you know, and these are the places I went, you know, Shakespeare Festival, that's great. Lincoln Center, I did a year there. This is what you did, Off-Broadway, American Place Theater. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do, to do theater. Uh, did I want to be a, 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 you know, a stage star? I, I don't even think that that entered my mind. I just enjoyed working. You know, that's why I like St. Vincent Theater so much. I just enjoyed working. No, nobody's going to come in from, you know, Paris and say, oh, you're going to go to, you know, <laughs> we're going to put you on the, on the French stage. No, I mean, you just enjoy working. You do it for the, for the love. And if you're good at it and lucky enough, something might happen from that. If you go, I, I don't know, I, I'm no philosopher, but if you go into it thinking, I'm going to be a movie star, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take this town by the tail. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably you're going to get bit by the other end. <laughs> right. So how, so how did it, how did it turn into money? How did it start? How did you start earning money? Um, uh, well, sorry about money. I was, a, like I said, I'm carrying a spirit to Shakespeare's Festival <laughs> for two years. Yeah. And, and then I was making like $85 a week. And I, I guess they had to make me equity the second year. I don't know if they wanted to, but they looked at my record. Yeah, in those days, once you do it once and you do it twice, you gotta be equity. So my salary was bumped from 85 to $135. I never saw that much money. $135 a week was, was astounding. Wow. Then I did, are you sure you're interested in all this? I then, am. Then I did uh, um, the original New York production of, uh, of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor. Yes. Yeah. Where, where was that first presented? That was the Brooklyn Academy of Music. It wow. was the first production. Now there are many other productions that went on. One went to Broadway. We were going to go to Broadway, but that's a whole other story for another interview. But that, that uh, um, led to the- I don't know. That's a pretty good story. We might want to hear that story. Why didn't it? Why, so you were almost Broadway bound. Why, why didn't Clyde it? Clyde Barnes loved it in England. Frank Dunlop was the original director wonderful director he ran the young Vic he you know mm. you know in, in Broadway it's a terrific reputable director Clyde Barnes loved it in England so Frank you know said let's we'll go bring it to New York there are two reasons when it opened in New York Clyde Barnes gave it a mediocre tepid review and wow. Frank Dunlop went to him and says Clive why did you do that you love the show and this is a better show uh -huh. he said, well I just he's talking about Weber and Lloyd Weber and Andrew Lloyd you know Tim Weber and he said, well, I think the boys needed a little come a little come up. With. I think we need oh. Yeah. And the other thing that that was that was horrible. And the other thing was that Frank wanted the the Brooklyn Boys Choir to do Joseph's. You know, Joseph at all. It has these beautiful young kids singing in the background. Well, he wanted them to do that and, and they wouldn't let him do it. Maybe the money, maybe uh, mm. I don't know why. So those reasons and maybe others that I don't know of kept that show from going. We rehearsed at the, uh, at the, at the uh, Mark Hellinger, I think. We actually rehearsed, Tim, uh, one of those guys, the ones that's not dead, came, Andrew Lloyd Webber came. <laughs> the one that's not dead. Yeah, he came, Andrew Lloyd Webber came to hear a rehearsal. You know, uh -huh. probably, wow. probably talked to, talk to, to Frank about it. So we were all set and would have loved it. I mean, it was, uh, it was my wife says it's one of the, the nicest, best shows she's ever seen. It was a terrific show. Simple, uh, you know, subsequent productions got a little, maybe there's more money in it. They poured more money into it, better costumes. But, but that first production with Cleavon Little and mm. David James Kelly, I mean, and so many wonderful people. Uh, it was, 
it was it was fabulous. And that got me the Milliken show because Frank directed, you know what the Milliken show is? Mm-mm. I will tell you, the Milliken show was the at the time the biggest uh in not infomercial. What's what's the word? Um, when you sell a product, what's the word when you if, well that's an infomercial, isn't it? But no, no, but it's it's a oh god, help me. It's it they had no other advertising but the Milliken show. Milliken Fabric was a huge uh, company down south and uh-huh. all they did in you know for two weeks a year was fly all these people up to uh, up to New York put them in the Waldorf Astoria and did the Milliken show uh, for years and years and they hired every dancer in New York the wonderful thing about that the, they paid a very nice salary I mean more money talk about money I mean it was like I'd never seen that much money I think it was in the thousands and then they give you bonuses at the end they love and what time. was the show the show was <laughs> the show was Renee Bergeois, Madeline Sokol. Wow. Uh, oh no, it go it goes on and Gloria Swanson and, and oh and, my gosh and and who's the dancer and and ranking no no older oh the movie star dancer George uh, Harry Blackstone Jr. and Miller and Miller these there were t- it went on and on and on these actors and it was a strung together silly. Uh, mystery, murder mystery, and every once in a while, it gave the people a chance to throw dirt on clothing, you know, because they made Millican fabric, and then they put them in, and then they washed it off, or it had something to do with the Millican fabric, and they made the clothes, and these dancers got to keep their clothes. They used to have lunch on the weekends at Sardi's uh, for the entire company, and at the end of this fabulous food thing they had takeout bags they said take the food we told me to take the food it was a great experience and the most money that i had made on the st- on the stage at the time from the Milliken show i wish i could remember more of these actors they were, they were great renee was who became a dear dear friend of mine mm. uh, 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 unbelievable actor uh, the Milliken show led to uh auditioning for joseph led to auditioning for uh the san pedro beach bums which was Aaron Spelling's first and last attempt at an hour long. And I got that because of Joseph. I mean, that was Graziella Danielle, was the, uh, who was a, uh, an, a very well-known fan. She's a Lifetime Achievement Award winner. Girl. She, she fought for me. The musical guy said to me, well, you're not a real singer. I, I said, well, you tell me. And Grazi said, excuse me, comedy trumps singing at this point. I want him in the show, you know, which was nice. And then this musical guy, the bragging, came back to me, you know, weeks later and says, where have you been? You actually sing pretty good. Yes, you do. Well, thank you. But, but the point is that show, Joseph, was, uh, um, was a, another turning point. That got me, that got me out to California to do, to do the San Pedro Bones. Okay, and so from that, I'm assuming soon after had to be not necessarily the news. Was there more in between? Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of unemployment, uh, <laughs> a, a, a few guest spots. I came out in 77 to do that show. Not necessarily the news happened in 82. Oh, yeah, so you had a while. There was a while. And like I said, a lot of unemployment, a lot of catching checks, trying to get jobs, auditioning. Did you have an agent, Stuart? Yes. How did you get an agent? <laughs> the, I got an agent through Joseph, I mean, and he and he submitted me for the San Pedro Beach Bums. He wasn't, I won't mention his name, wasn't a great agent because he wasn't a Hollywood agent, he wasn't a California, he was a New York agent. Ah. So he didn't know what he was doing, mm-hmm. but he got me out there and he submitted me, I guess, for some things. I guess he had an office in, on, on each coast. 
And I just struggled a, a little bit for uh, two, what, 77, seven years, whatever it is. And Joy was also a working actor. No, Joy, no. Joy worked in the East. She was never, uh, she never had a big career in, uh, in, uh, in California. Although she did an episode of Twilight Zone and we just got a dollar 23 residual. Thank you. I love much. that. I love yes. that. And I'm very proud of that. But yeah, Joy was, Joy, Joy you know, just sort of, she was, we just hang, hung out together and, 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 because there was a lot of, you know, a lot of us time, a lot of 24-7. Hi, honey. Good morning. Good, evening, good night, honey. <laughs> and so through those lean years, you still didn't have to get a job job, though. You still hung in there, took your unemployment, did the little. The right, little, right. Yeah. Exactly. And unemployment was, it was a lifesaver because things didn't cost that much in those days. You know, so that kept us going. I don't, you know, and, uh, and Joy in New York, Joy, to get us through, she worked, you know, temp job, secretary job, and she kept us going uh, when, when things were lean. And I'm glad you talked about New York because I, I went past it and I have to go back because I oh. live just a few blocks from Columbia um, in Morningside uh, Gardens on 123rd between Broadway and Amsterdam. So, okay, so you lived in that, where did you live when you went to Columbia? I lived with my parents. I lived down uh, in Lincoln Center, 100, uh, 150 West End Avenue, right near Lincoln Center. I mean, I used to walk to work when I was working at Lincoln Center for that year. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and so, okay, so I have to talk about that neighborhood. You know, George Carlin, the special's out now, but George Carlin lived right around the corner from me, um, yeah. uh, right up there. Uh, so did you have like favorite pizza, favorite bagels, all that stuff from the neighborhood? Come on. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we were across the street from a restaurant called the V&T. Oh God! Of course, B and T. Well, there you go. There you go, my brother. <laughs> my brother. Yeah, G great pizza. We ate there all the time. We also, we what do we call it? Uh, we had a name for sabrets for the little hot dog things on oh, the Oh sure. Sabret. We we had we had some nickname. Where are you going to? You know, we used to say you know, S A Bretts or S Rets, whatever it was. We so we ate there a lot. And as I mentioned before, but not to the world. There was a restaurant, a Hungarian restaurant. It might have been called the Hungarian the restaurant. Hungarian, right the Hungarian pastry shop on the Yeah, right next to yeah, me. Yeah. And we, we <laughs> ate there a lot. I, I, I mentioned before that uh, it's the first time I, I, I ate brains. I had brains and eggs. And maybe the last time. Okay. Yeah, no, it was at fine. the Hungarian pastry shop, you yes. had brains? Brains and eggs. Yes, they had, a, they had a, a, I guess, a lunch that had brains. And I, I got so smart after you know, <laughs> now wait are brain sweetbreads or is that another part of no, the sweetbreads is the thyroid oh that's the thyroid i like my, that i can't I don't know if i've loved, ever had brains my dad loved the uh, sweetbreads but yeah brains i don't think i've had them again i've had some strange <laughs> things in my in my life but uh yeah brains and sweetbreads ah, okay so okay so going back so so you're on unemployment you're getting some work how did not necessarily the news come about i assume there was an audition well, that's a complicated question. You ready? Okay. You know, sit down, have a cup of coffee, turn on <laughs> your phone. Have some water. Here we go. When I auditioned with the San Pedro Beach Bums, an actor was auditioning. He was an actor at the time called Michael Jacobs. Michael Jacobs became a very important producer. You know, Boy Meets World, Boy Boy Meets Girl. Uh, he 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 did a lot of shows. He was doing a a a series called No Soap Radio. With Bill I loved No Soap Radio. <laughs> you are you are now my favorite viewer. Yeah, I love No Soap Radio. 
video is so pretty. I did too. It was really yes. interesting. It was a little ahead of its time. Uh-huh. Uh, and, but he said to, to, to the producers, I'm getting, he remembered me from the San Pedro Beach Bums audition. And he said, I'm going to get that guy in. I was a kid. I was, you know. So I auditioned. I guess I auditioned and I got the job. No Soap Radio, one of the co-writers was Ron Richards. Okay. Ron Richards was, became a writer for not necessarily the news. So I met him by chance at a screening. And he said, we've just done the pilot for not necessarily. And I said, what? And he said, it's a cable show. I said, what's cable? <laughs> no, I mean, literally, there was, there was literally, pardon the expression, 29% penetration in, in the country with cable. And that's not including pay cable, like, like not HBO or Showtime or whatever was around at the time. I said, he said, do you want to audition for it? One of the actors just left. And uh, I said, yeah. I this said, was after the pilot? Yeah, uh, they had shot something. I think it was the pilot. I don't know if they aired it or not. I don't know. I, I went in and I auditioned for Not Necessarily News and, uh, and got it. And uh, thank the Lord I did because, you know, it was, a, like I said, it's a light, it was a life-changing thing. It started out, it started out guerrilla you know, television. We used to, the first dressing room, we worked in the Simi Valley. If anybody knows where that is, it's way out in the boondocks. Our first dressing room was the men's room in the Shell Station near where we were shooting. Seriously, that's where the chair was. And Nancy Severinsen was our location manager. Doc Stoddard said, try to buy gas from them so they don't take us out. This is true. The girls, the girls were, were changing clothes behind car doors, you know, and eating on the rocks and brushing the snakes away. It was, it was really, you know, I remember once having a five o'clock in the morning call, putting in 12, having another call at five o'clock the next day, coming back to that location. I said to the producer, uh, God, I can't do this. I just, I, I, you know, it's gone. I'm going to get sick. Then it got better. Then we got some sort of a, a trailer that we all shared, makeup, hair and costumes, actors, you know, and the, and the hours became a little better. And then as the show got more popular, you know, it became more fun to do. When I used to talk about it in the old days, I said, I'm doing this show, going to you know, if you want to watch it, go ahead. But then it became, you know, when it became more popular, it became a, a much more fun and gratifying to do. But that's the way that started, you know. And it was in a time when the National Cable Television Association was was fairly strong. They were really trying to to to, to bring names into it. I mean, I, I, you know, and some of the people that I competed with in for Ace Awards was Frank Sinatra, uh, Billy Crystal. Penny wow. uh, Rogers, John Leguizamo, you know, and plus, you know, and, and uh, James Earl Jones, Art Carney. These were all people that were doing cable. Shelley, Shelley, uh, who was in I'm Home. Who was that woman that in, uh, in Good Night? Anyway, big, you know, they, they were, they were, they were trying to get. And you uh, won what you were nominated I, many I, times I, and you won I, too. I nominated, I nominated five times. I won one. Beating James Earl Jones and Art Carney. Wow. I, I mean, I think I, I think I ruined their lives. I think they quit the business. They were just so disappointed not getting that award. <laughs> yeah, but that's icing on the cake. You know that that kind of stuff is. I, I mean, I I enjoyed it, and, uh, and they treated you very nicely. The Cable Association treated everybody everybody really nicely in those days because they wanted to be an entity. They wanted to to, to be in the game. They wanted to have a a horse in the race, uh, and they did. And then eventually. You know, HBO it, was so ahead of its time back then, so daring, so pioneering that not necessarily the news was as well. And right. what was so interesting about it was that you guys merged the real news. 
It was unlike Weekend Update and other shows because you merged real news with your, they intersected, right? Right. Yeah, it was, it was very clever and fairly honorable. And I'll tell you why. We never put, like some shows, they put words in the mouths of the, of the people that they're filming. They put in words in Reagan. Or right. We never did that. Huh. They used to get the ABC news feeds Mm-hmm. which was, you know, hours of stuff that people never see. And they used to pick stuff that, that they thought were funny and make sketches of them. So I'd be talking, or Annie would be talking, or Mitch would be talking to, you know, Reagan Kissinger, uh, Queen Elizabeth, whatever. But we never put words in their mouths. So whatever they said, the writers would write responses to them. And the other nice thing about Nazi is that we could, it was fairly open, but we never used bad words. We never relied on nudity. I mean, we just kept it... I, I'm not going to say it's a family and show. And you probably but, could at that time because it yeah. was HBO. You could, That's what I'm right? saying. That's what I'm yeah. saying. We had, we had, the, we had the, the leave to do it, but, but we didn't do it. They didn't feel the need to do that. They wanted to stick with the comedy and the politics. You know? And uh, it was, again, wonderful to go to work. And, and those, like I said, those people, Danny Green, who, who has passed away, great Danny Green, Mitch Lawrence, Annie Bloom. Uh, Rich Hall. Uh, Rich Hall. Uh, Oh my God, that's where he started. I'm sure that's where Lorne must have plucked him from, no? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we never really liked Rich, so we never talked. No, that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he did keep pretty much himself. He wrote his own bits and he performed his own bits. And that's yeah. what I wanted to ask you. Did you write on that show as well? I like to say we we tinkered. We, we tinkered. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that they, they wouldn't yell at us for tinkering as long as we filmed it the, the original way. And then we we filmed it, you know, with a tinkering way. But no, um, I, I especially those long speeches or, or you know introductions. I mean, you you were the anchor. You were the guy. I was the guy. I was Bob Charles, the anchor. And I didn't know that. Plus, plus happily doing a lot of different character stuff. But yeah, it was uh, you know people sometimes they see me say Bob. No. <laughs> Well, it was it was a really wonderful show. It had a very long duration. I was one of the people that had HBO back in the seventies, and, and yeah, and uh, thanks to my mother, I think I first got started on it. But it was it was revolutionary. I mean, there were no commercials. No, uh, you know, it was it, cable was was brand new. It was brand it new. was the prairie of, of the <laughs> days. Was it was. I mean, it was so new. So. So how did that translate for you? Because I know it was a niche audience. As I mean, as it went on, more and more people were getting HBO and more and more people right. were seeing it. Um, were you, but you were doing other things while you were doing, were you also doing, you were doing other things, were you doing theater simultaneously? I see. I don't know if I was doing theater did well, you yeah. do a, in summer, did, yes, in the summer, we did go down back a few times, two or three times to do plays in, in, in Pennsylvania. Yes, we did that because there was a writer's strike, a big writer's strike in 85. Mm. And we we just went back and, and I think I did most of the most of the Pittsburgh, the Pennsylvania season there. So, yeah, I guess I was doing stuff. I don't know what we did when we were off. I don't remember. You know, I'd have to look at dates. But you were uh, you were making coin. You were do you were you were doing OK. I was doing OK. I was doing okay. Not Greg Harrison's money, but I was doing okay. <laughs> yeah, well. 
Well, and so how did, so you didn't stay for the full duration of the show though. Didn't you leave before it ended? Yes. We went from 82 to 80 to 88. I got a job uh, on a pilot with uh, Eric Idle and the wonderful Caroline McWilliams called Nearly Departed. So I gave my notice in 88. Uh, at that time, was they, that a hard decision to do to go do a pilot? I mean, it's Eric Idle, but still. No, I, I think as much as I loved it, it's, you know, it's, it was time to move on. It was time to, yeah. you know, to do something different. Um, uh, but, at the, but then after I left, Chris Albrecht, who was one of the, mm-hmm. the mucky mucks at HBO, decided to change the show. And he got rid of, of, of the old cast. So I'm kind of, it was lucky for me that I, wow, you know, and they, and they, and they got Annabelle Gerwich and, uh, and Tom oh, Clark. Annabelle Gerwich was here in my living room. Yeah. Yeah. She's uh, a nice lady. And Tom Parks and I became very good friends. I never so watched they, the show with that cast. I don't know that. Well, why would you? They suck. Why would I? They, you weren't there. But they went on for, they went on for two. We actually went back. The old cast went back. To do a guest spot on on their on their show, but that show lasted about two seasons. I, you know, not not necessarily the news was. It's not like a season. It's not like twenty two. Sometimes we did eight. Sometimes we did ten. Sometimes we did four specials a year. So it was all over the place. But right. But, but that's my history. Was eighty two to eighty eight. And so then what happened? Eighty eight. Wow. I, I I don't know. I'm assuming. Like I said, I have to look at. It. I mean, your IMDb is just on and on and on and on, and a lot and a lot of regular series, and and all you you did uh, like you did like things like Falcon's Crest and Knots Landing, and and things yes. that I would not think of you necessarily as being. Yeah, I mean that was that was like the more drama than uh, than uh, than I'd done before, so that was great. Yeah, I did stuff like that. I guess I did guest spots and recurring roles from 88 until now. I mean, I don't know, you know, I really- Well, well, well how did um, um, uh, Fatal Attraction happen? I mean, that was, that's a big movie. You're, you're, that's a movie yeah. star role. How did that happen? Well, that was Adrian Lyne, God bless his soul. Um, they were shooting in New York and I was doing not necessarily the news at the time. They were mm-hmm. shooting in New York and Adrian Lyne wanted me to do this role. So I auditioned for him and the producers, who later we became friendly, I uh, said, well, get somebody in New York. I mean, why you have to fly this actor in? And Adrian Lyne said, no, I want him. I, and, and maybe it was because he wanted somebody that he knew could be funny or it, it softened Michael Douglas's character. He wanted mm. to show that Michael had a, 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 a sillier or lighter a lighter side mm-hmm. so that, mm-hmm. that he could, so that the audience would seeing this, this, this person is in, in infidel, you know, he would, they, he would at least have the uh, a relationship with somebody that was friendly. So, so offer some humanity to his character. Thank you. You're mm-hmm. much smarter and yeah. eloquent than I am. No. So I ended, up, I ended up once a week for a month flying back and forth from LA to New York to do a day in New York or maybe two days and then flying back to not the news and fly. I did that once. I was the See, you were going back and forth. <laughs> yes, I was. I was. You know? <laughs> But that, that's how that happened. And, uh, and again, I cannot be more grateful to, to Mr. Lyon for, uh, for fighting for me. And so what was that like to have that sort of on-screen intimate relationship with Michael Douglas? How was he to work with? Great. I mean, he, he, he's great. I mean, 
they very smartly when when my when Ann Archer and Michael and me and my wife who is oh dear God she's a singer now wonderful lady they sent us out to lunch together so we could just you know get to know each other and we mm -hmm. did but the working relationship was was always extremely positive there's a lots of uh, like in the dinner scene there's a lot of improvisation going on and a lot of oh really yeah and uh, and adrian god bless him let it let it stay in because he knew that it would it would help it was it was sort of natural the way that stuff happened i remember in a bowling alley scene michael jumped on me you know i didn't know that was going to happen you know so he was a he was a great guy and he also a few months later he was doing a pilot uh a competition uh whose line is it anyway thing i mean it was a you know right story, and he was doing a pilot competing comedy teams and he called me and Rhea Perlman, who he's very good friends with, and to come in and be the panel. So I, I'm, you know, I, I, apparently we got along okay because he didn't hate me. That's lovely. You also did a film with a with a good friend of mine that I adore, Hollywood Nights, with Robert Wall, Robert. who, um, oh God. So where was that in the scheme of things? Was that before? I can't even remember when that. Which was I, first? I, I, I don't know. I think Fair Attraction was first. Uh, I, I, like I said, if you go on, I, you have to look at dates. I don't remember the. the Doesn't order. matter. But that, I, I guess, I auditioned for that too, and mm -hmm. uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Come on, I mean, all these people that, uh, you know, uh, and it was interesting because it took place. The entire movie took place on one night, so it was all night shooting. So you know, you finished, mm -hmm. you wrapped at three or whatever it was for you go back home you try to sleep of course i was younger and i could take the take the pain and then you showed <laughs> up at the, you showed up at seven or eight you know and then you and then you did the did the movie for uh, for the entire night it was, was great it fun did you guys have yeah. fun on that set I, I remember having fun sandy helper you know sandy's a he's an actor comic he and i are still friends uh yeah uh there were some lovely people i still i'm facebook friends with a lot of the actors in the show uh yeah it was uh it was fascinating it was you know old cars and 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 pretty girls and ruggedly handsome men it was all you know it was all fun uh and and you know anything you ask me about it you're gonna basically get it was fun because i can't think of very many things i did that that were, you know, oh, geez, I wish I had never done that. Because that's, that's just so fun. now was, could drama, were drama sets as fun as comedy sets? Were they different? Are they different? Yeah, different, different, fun different ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, you get, you get as an actor, you get, well, you know, in theater, you get, the rehearsal is, 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 the, the training ground it's the it's the prairie as you said it's the it's where you where you discover things and whether it's comedy or drama the discoveries are what makes it fun what makes mm -hmm. it exciting and then you get in front of an audience which is why actors love theater because it's an actor's media film is a director and editor's media uh and you get on there and every time you discover something new you know you you, you pack it away at the next night you come so it grows whether it's drama or comedy Drama sets can be really fun. I mean, lots of times I've talked to people <clears throat> who've done real serious stuff and they mm -hmm. laugh all the time because maybe it breaks the tension. They, have, they need something to break the tension. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's different, but fun. DBF. Okay, so was striptease fun? What was that, what was that like? That was, <laughs> that was beyond fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, striptease. 
Striptease was, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's fun. It was a big production. You know, I've worked on a few big, big productions. That was one of them. I mean, Demi Moore had 12 trailers and she worked. Oh out. my God. I don't, I don't know. I met her once. I didn't, I never really worked with her. Armand Asante, I did work with terrific, interesting man. Um, mm. Yeah, it, it was great. We, the producers you, took us to strip clubs before the films, before the shooting, just so we could, because I'd never been to a strip club. And that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> but that's the truth. So we went there and I met and I came, became very friendly with a couple of actors. One of them was Paul Guilfoyle, who's in the movie. You might know who he is. Yes. Uh -huh. Good actor. And we played golf. I just started to play golf. So we used to go out and, and play golf and hit, hit golf balls. But the, the movie was great. Ving Rhames. Ving were having lots of wow. Yeah, I forgot about him. He played her bodyguard, didn't he? Played her yeah. bodyguard and, and, I, and I was his lawyer. So yeah, it was all, it was all great. Florida was fine. I never really spent a lot of time in Florida. We filmed a scene in the morgue, in the real Miami morgue. Uh, and uh, because I, I ended up, I ended up being dead in the movie. So, and Armand Asante, you know, was, you know, trying to figure out why, but we were in the actual morgue and eventually people who were in the beginning, a little reticent to let us wander around, got a lot leaner and leaner. We saw things there that, uh, that uh, you know, I'd never seen before, you know, and including police investigations with dead bodies and, I had crab. I was eaten by crabs, and uh, in the movie, and the, uh, the one of the morticians said, "What is that?" I said, "Well, it's supposed to be crabs. I'm eaten by crabs." He said, "Come with me. I don't want to denigrate the makeup people." So we went into the freezer, and we saw and we saw a body that was indeed in the ocean for a while, eaten by by things. And oh, it was, quite, it was quite different than my my little my makeup. Anyway, it was a very it's a fascinating experience. And uh, and uh, again, loving it. Robert Patrick was in that movie. We went. I, oh, I, I love him. Oh, he's he's great. He's great. And uh, we actually went to a movie together in the beginning. Then he became now he became a huge you know star. And I, I I'm a big fan of his. But anyway, it was it was and it's a good movie. You know, it, it, it people I think might might have confused it or with uh, what was the other one that came out at the time. There with, was that horrible one with the girls taking it off. I can't remember right. what it was. That's it. it. Was, that was awful. That right. one. And people might have been conflating those those two, so striptease didn't get necessarily uh, the traction that it, that it might have. But I thought it was a good movie, and I, I like I said, Showgirls was the other Showgirls, one. Showgirls, yeah. yeah. Uh, to me, you know, to me, is a good actress. To me, I think she is. Yeah, and she really prepares. Wow, the body. I remember her going on Letterman when she was doing that role, and she did a dance on his desk, and her body was like, "Oh my." Well, God. I'm not kidding when I say that she had a, a, a any number of trailers, and one of them was a complete workout gym. I so bet. she would work out, you know, at, uh, during lunch. She wanted to stay in top shape. Uh, and she's well, a good she, actress too. Yes, I th I think so too. <coughs> um, so uh, so how Rick Moranis and Honey Honey. I shrunk, yeah. Honey, we shrunk ourselves. <laughs> honey, we shrunk the kids. Honey, we blew up the kid. And then, honey, we shrunk ourselves. So was that, was that fun? I mean, are you looking at green screens the whole day? Is it fun? What, what, what's that like? What do you think my answer is going to be? I had to yes. Of course yes. it was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of green screens, some oversized props. And uh, great... <sighs> Again, look it up. You got a computer hitting. Look up Honey We Shrunk Us at the cast because there was about four of us, including Allison uh, Mack, who eventually became kind of, 
she ran into a little bit of uh, Soros uh, later. Uh -oh. uh, but but, uh, but um, yeah, Rick, I'd done a movie called Big Bully Week. I did a, a small part in that, you know. Uh, and Eve then- Oh, Eve Gordon, I know Eve. Eve Gordon, Eve Gordon, Eve Gordon. Okay. great. And, and you looking at the cast? Yeah. Look at my wife, Robin, Robin, come on. Ro uh, Robin Bar Bartlett. Robin Bartlett. Wonderful ladies. We all got along so well. We spent, you know, 24-7, whatever we did with the movie together. Uh, everybody got along great. Rick was, as he says, he says, there's a lot of responsibility when you're number, number one on the call sheet. And he, he, he came up to that, to that challenge. I mean, he ran uh, a wonderful ship and he was, he, he's great. He's funny. He's wonderful. And admirable because after that, his wife died much too young mm. and he gave up the business to take, to go back and take care of his kids. Wow. He's just now starting to, to get back in the business, but he, really? he, he made a decision. That's it. I'm taking care of my kids. Wow. You can't, you can't praise a man high enough for that. That's wow. Yeah. Plus the fact that he's, he's a funny guy and a good actor and he's a nice guy too. Son of a bitch. He's got everything. <laughs> so what about doing heart arachnophobia? What it now is is that like again? You're doing green screens. What's that like? No, no, no. no arachnophobia, <laughs> arachnophobia was uh, no green screen. They used you know real spiders, except for the, the the big spider at the end, which was animatronic. But they were New Zealand spiders, and I think they cost eleven hundred dollars a piece. You know, they were big. They were like you know that. In fact, one day on the set, they asked us all to come you know, on set and let the spiders crawl on us so that if perchance you're on the set and you see something, you go, ah, boom, $1,100 down the tubes. So we had to let them crawl all over us just to get used to him. John Goodman, I remember him. He was just, it was like a dance. He was letting these spiders crawl. Wow. Over. Yeah. And it was great. And they were really, they were real spiders and they controlled them by hair dryers. You know, basically they put air and they, they had them go where they were going to go. It was it was great. It's a good movie. Arachnophobia is a good movie. Jeff I Daniels. watch that again. I'm going to see if that's streaming. I, I liked it the first time I saw it. Yeah, I liked it too. I thought I thought everybody did a terrific job. Roy Brocksmith, uh, Kathy Kenny, who was uh, you know uh, another wonderful comedy actor. Mm -hmm. I actually wrote a song for the uh, for the trailer. I wrote a song and they used it for the trailer. How fabulous! Yeah, it was great. Well, like I, I, I told you, I do that. I write. Songs. I know. So how did that? start for you like where did that come from song parodies yeah oh my god here's ready for this yeah hanukkah is a joyous time to praise the maccabees they fought off all the philistines and set the jews all free i'll give my thanks to the maccabees they deserve it they sure do i'll give my thanks to the maccabees and i know you will too that's like seven six or seven years old that was one of my early my early song parodies. Um, I'm impressed. Well, there. And of course, you remember it because we remember those things. Oh, yeah. Um, Best work I've done. So, but you've had your stuff get used. What's this thing that you did for Cinemax with the hump of. Um, you did a parody, a Shakespearean parody, right? Yeah. Yeah. Written by Larry uh, David, uh, Larry uh, Arnstein and David Hurwitz, who were writers on Not Necessarily the News. And I guess I had lost an ACE award and, and, and John Moffat, our producer, maybe felt sorry for me. He says, you want to do Cinemax Comedy Experiment? Well, basically it was, a, it was a decent but small amount of money for a comic. 
to get up and do a job. We decided to do a, to do a play. So these guys wrote a play. When I was doing uh, Richard III in, in the park carrying a spear and understood, I wrote song parodies for that, uh, for Richard III. Kevin Klein, who also carried a spear. Get out of here, you, you started with Kevin Klein. Oh yeah, Kevin Klein, Jimmy Keach was there. Kevin oh, played the piano, so when we were on a break, he would accompany me as I would sing these, I'm Edward, I'm Clarence, <laughs> I'm Richard III, that Yorkshire win the war alone is really it. So this whole, and I wrote a bunch of these parody songs. So when we decided to do, Kevin actually was, was in a sense responsible for getting my first agent in New York, because we were at oh, a party. He, we were at a party uh, and he said, come on, sing your song. And I said, I can't sing this, that's for us. So sing the song. So I had a drink and I never drink. So I, he played the song, I sang, you know, whatever, can curses, pierce the clouds, can, whatever I sang. Jeff Hunter, who was a pretty good agent in New York, came up and said, you want, you want representation? I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So wow. that, that's the way that happened. But that, the reason that we came up with Hump, Richard III, was because I had some songs in the trunk that we, we could pull out and, and, and do. And then the guys, Larry and David, wrote the, uh, wrote the script. And we did it in two days. I mean, I played five parts and had, again, it was, Joy and I went, I went over those lines every night in the, in the living room, just to, you know, cause I had to play five parts and there was no time, you know, Jesus. one, you know, but it was, it was, it was great. I mean, you know, if, if, when you're young enough and strong enough, you know, and a little bit ambitious enough to want to do that, it's not work, you know, right. work playing bricks, right. this kind of stuff is, is a joy. So yeah, that's how that's how Hump uh, came to be. Speaking of Larry David, uh, you've done Curb, uh, you've a very Jewy part. Very uh, was it? Was it? <laughs> uh, okay. So what I've been told by a number of friends who have been on the set is that you get basically an outline of where you have to go, and then you kind of speak your own work. Was that true? What was your experience on that show? Yeah, it was, uh, they're very protective of these outlines that you, you know, you, you talk to the AD, I said, what's this about? You kind of had an idea. I knew I was a head of a, of a, of a uh, an organization that gave kidneys out to the needy. Larry wanted one for Richard, uh, <laughs> Richard, come on. Lewis. Richard Lewis. Uh, so I knew that. And then basically I said, can I see what it's about? He said, they'd rather not let you know. So you get on the set, which was a restaurant and they kind of tell you what needs to be said. You gotta, you gotta say you like the Yankees. You gotta say, some of the something can remember. You gotta say you like skiing. You gotta talk about your wife. You gotta say your man. I said, okay. And he comes in and he starts and you sort of follow his lead trying to get this stuff in. So I'm making it up. I'm saying, so Vicky, you know, when I went to, a, to Boston the other day, I said, cut. So you can't really say Boston because it's not, it doesn't track with the script. Okay, action. So Vicky, when I went to Philadelphia and I went into this uh, delicate test, cut. Can't say delicate. Now this is all made up, but that's basically right. What if you say uh, something that doesn't track with the story, and only he knows the story, wow. you know, you it and, you, and then you, he he give you some some clues as to what you need to say. Got to say the Yankees. Got to say skiing because it ended up in a ski lodge, and so that's the way that worked. And it was. Uh, is that intimidating when you know that at any moment they might say cut because you've said some? Like, are you thinking about what you're saying rather than being in the moment? Uh, that's a great question. I, I'm going to say no. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say that I'm going to I'm going to be in the moment, uh, and I, I can't remember really thinking about. I'm thinking about what I have to say. 
Because yeah. I'm just thinking that if they're yelling cut like a bunch of times that that might be prohibitive to creativity. I don't know. Well, you know something, that's an interesting, that's an interesting point. It might, it might have worked on me or an actor. You know, I guess when if you're Jeff Garland or Richard Lewis and you do it enough, you know, it becomes second nature to them. But the guest people, right? It's 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 a different way of working. But how how does it feel to be a guest coming into that show with this well-oiled machine of these people that have been doing this together for so long? Do are are you invited in as part of the family, or do you feel like you're on the outside stepping in? Well, I, I don't know if you're part of the family, although Jeff and mm -hmm. and uh, and Larry and and his wife. Were, they were very nice to us. Mm -hmm. I was there with my daughters, did a great job. Uh, um, I don't, you're not an outsider because, you know, of necessity, they need you to, to be comfortable in that, in that right. world or else it's not going to work. Family, you know, we're going to go out to dinner and talk about, uh, you know, personal problems. No, <laughs> but over the course of the shooting, it was, it was very comfortable and you get used to it, you know, like in the, in the first scene in the restaurant, it was a little, maybe you're right, it was a little, I'm thinking about it too much. But then as it went on and we shot the other scenes, it was a lot easier. That's very interesting, mm -hmm. very interesting. Yeah, just curious about that. And so you've also worked with Mel Brooks, which, uh, <laughs> Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks. That, you know that guy. That guy, so, <laughs> And so what was it like being on the set with Mel? Well, the, the, I worked with Mr. Brooks three times, twice as a, an actor, once as an actor, twice as an actor, and once as a, a producer. And in, in Oh, as a producer? Well, he wow. produced a movie called The Vagrant, which was a very interesting, Bill-, Bill I saw that Paxton. movie. Yeah, it, it, Bill Paxton, God rest his soul, was, uh, was in it, he was mm -hmm. great. Uh, but he, his Brooks films produced that. But the one I did with him was- um, <laughs> Life Stinks. No, that's not it. Yes, it oh, is. That's yeah. it. it is Life Stinks. Yeah. And he had his plate full. He was producer. He was director. He was a writer. Uh, and he did it all. Yeah. Uh, on one of the hottest season, parts of the season in the summer in LA at the time. Oh, wow. Uh, and he was, you know, I hear, I heard that he could have a temper. Never, not with me anyway. Sometimes he goes after his friends because he's known them. Like Howard Marsh, he's known since, since in vitro. So, you know, they, they, they have an unspoken language. But for, for the guest people, uh, I'll just talk about myself. Jeff Tambor was in it and uh, some wonderful people. No, it was, it was despite his, the pressures that were on him, you know, to, do, to get this project done, he was, he was sweet as pie, sweet as pie. I've met him a lot of I mean, times, and one time he was sweet as pie, and one time he wasn't. I wanted to run away, but that's you know, Mel could be, Mel could be. Well, the thing that I I, I tell him is that when I was in high school, before the junior high school, whatever, before the auditorium collapsed, mm -hmm. the first <laughs> thing I did in a variety show was a two thousand year old man. I just remember, oh. and did it. Hello there, here we are. When you are, and, I'm, and I told him, I said, you, you, you. You started me. You were my first. You were my first theft. I stole your your material. Wow. <laughs> Carl, Carl published my book. I love oh, Carl wow. very much. Yeah, yeah, sweetheart. So I used to see them. I would come down. I was doing my audio book in Carl's pool house, and I would come into the house, and they'd be sitting, Mel and Carl, watching TV with little TV trays, eating their dinner, and Mel would be complaining about the lamb chops, and it was just, 
very surreal. But uh, then he quizzed right. me on his son. That was the time he was me. He was very sweet the first time I met him. But Max, that time, right? he quizzed, yes, he quizzed me on Max. And I wasn't Max educated. And he did not like that. That was not OK. But um, they really, but, you know, they and Bancroft and, and, and Mel apparently made professional choices to be with Max. Uh, throughout his life. I mean, they probably gave up work, you know, just so they could be with their son. Again, admirable. And if so, you call Weiner, no, geez, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. No, it doesn't get much better or much funnier. Um, it doesn't get much funnier or much better. So now let's go back to the stage for a minute. So you have gone back to the stage over and over and over again. And once you've been a television actor, a movie, a film actor, and you go back to the stage, I would imagine it's different um, because now you have a recognition factor when you go, when you step out on the stage, right? People know who you are. Come on, people know who you are. Well, they might, but but it's not like you get entrance applause every time you step on the stage. <laughs> I mean, I work a lot at the Santa Monica Playhouse, at least I did over the years. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, you just step out, you do your job, you take the makeup off, you go home. I mean, there's nothing like, oh, can I have your autograph? No, there's very little of that. In mm -hmm. New York, when, when things were, were cooking a little bit, people would recognize me and ask me for stuff. But in LA, you know, it's a little no, more- No, LA, everybody's too cool for the room in LA. I don't care who you are. That's right, that's exactly it. So as far as re recognition mm -hmm. on, on the stage, uh, I, it's you know that's that's not been my experience i mean uh, i draw i mean i just concentrate on the work you know if they say you did a nice job so what is it like as an actor to to make your broadway debut i never made a broadway debut. yes i thought you did i thought you did shakespeare on broadway i thought or didn't you do the crucible on broadway what did you, the crucible, you did some... yes the crucible now you're lying to me here uh if i could get away with it i will but i can't because the Lord will strike me. No, well, I worked at Lincoln Center for a year as a journeyman. They consider that Broadway. Okay, uh, I do. I kind of do too. Well, it, it kind of is. It isn't a Broadway contract. It's a Lord contract, but it is in that realm of, yes. of, of, of plays because the people, obviously, that they get at Lincoln Center were, you know, they're, they're magnificent. Yes. Yeah, I did four shows there, uh, including The Crucible, and understudied uh, a lot of parts. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had classes, I believe, you know, for journeymen. They had, you know, silly classes, which, you know, didn't make a lot of difference to any of us. But the understudying was interesting. I understudied, you remember Michael Dunn, the little person, Michael Dunn? That name's very familiar. He was in me. Wild Wild West. You're too young for that. But no, I'm was, not. But yeah, okay. He was, he was, he calls himself a dwarf, but nowadays you call him little people. Right. I, I understudied him twice, once what? in the park and then once in Lincoln Center. Yeah, it was it was interesting. And then he died in the, during the Lincoln Center run. Uh, and then somebody, maybe even before we opened, so somebody uh, took over for him. But, uh, you know, the understudying was was kind of the interesting thing about that, because, you know, you, you play small parts and you walk on, hello, my lord, and then you walk <laughs> off again. But the understudying, you got to work out your chops a little bit. Wow. What's it, what was it like? Uh, what's it like doing Shakespeare in the park? And, and I've gone many times as an audience member, but what is it like to, because there's so much just potential distraction. Yeah. Uh, um, I've never <clears throat> really thought about the distraction as far as the actor, as far as the audience, 
I, I don't think they were distracted. I mean, they, they, I'm not the audience. I'm talking about as an actor, if all of a sudden you're delivering and the plane is going up or a siren is going by, does it distract you? No, I don't no? think that, I don't, I don't remember a lot of, a lot of uh, that type of distraction. Uh, they used to, you know, throw rocks down at us from the castle up on the hill in the backstage, but that's about it. I mean, I, I don't remember a lot of plane problems. I remember a lot of microphone problems. Mm. People taking their microphones into the bathroom. Or if it would start to rain, did it ever start to rain? You know, I don't remember if it oh. ever rained. I don't remember. One thing that I do remember about the Shakespeare Festival was that we did we did Richard Henry the Sixth parts one and two and Richard the Third. Mm -hmm. So Pat decided to do them all in one evening as a fundraiser. Uh, what? Yeah, it was it was murder. I mean, and it was fun. How many hours of theater? Well, it's, it's nine hours of theater, let alone, let alone, you know, what's between. Stop. Right, right. Stop and go. But we, he did it. We did it. And it was, uh, I remember the sun came up. They were talking about distraction. The sun came up. They were going to, and, and the paparazzi were lining the, in front of the audience. And the audience were going, get the hell down, get down. We, we're here all, you know, they were here all night. These guys come in, take pictures. Then the cast of hair came in and sang, let the sun shine in. Oh wow! Uh, and it was it was quite the it was quite the memorable uh, um, evening, you know. Never forget it. I will never forget. I actually saw Hare in at, at, in the park with my kids. Took the, oh, the, cool. the, the I saw the original on Broadway, but then took my kids to see it in the park the, the next go round. Well, you really you're into theater, huh? I, well, yeah, because that's yeah. Hello, New York, Jew, actress. I don't blame you. I don't blame yeah. you, man. It's the so okay so speaking of that so tell tell us before we go some of your favorite actors to work on stage with some of your favorite roles to do and is there anything that you've yet to do that you'd still love to sink your teeth into not sinking my teeth into not in the old days it was Cyrano I wanted I've always wanted to do Cyrano I know we did the sword fight, you know, Lancelot and his lady hall in, in, in Columbia. We did that. We choreographed that. I've always wanted to do that. Now I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little beyond that. Uh, but there's nothing that I can think about that I really want to do. Because you've done so much. Okay. So tell me some of the, so tell me some of your favorite roles that you've played that have well, really been joyful. Well, mostly theater. I mean, they, yeah, they, uh, they, yeah of course. They, well, I mentioned some of them. Day of the Death of Joe A. Uh, Brian, uh, Born Yesterday. A lot of these are with my wife, so they were. Mm. Uh, uh, Lend me a tenor. We did that twice. Imaginary Invalid, Tartuffe. I mean, there's a. The, the, but those are back fun. in the day. I'm talking about more. Recent. Yeah, more recent stuff that you've done. Well, recently, recently, uh, I was doing, like I said, doing plays at uh, at the Santa Monica Playhouse, uh, written by. Uh, well, it doesn't matter who wrote them, but uh, those were those were not as fun for me as 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 the old stuff i know that's disappointing to you but but no the, the old stuff i get you, it you know and as far as television as far as film i'm always going to be grateful to fatal attraction because mm -hmm. uh, i had a good time not that necessarily the news the, these were you know favorite things because it was not only the writing was good but the people were great mm -hmm. and that 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 makes a big difference i wish i could tell you uh, that i we, i just finished the movie during the pandemic before the pandemic called uh, Deep in the Forest. Okay. Uh, which is gonna is out now on VOD, Video On Demand. You probably know more about that than I do. Comcast Spectrum. It's not on, on the pay, it's not on the Netflix or HBO, but you can get it. If you're a member of Spectrum, you can get it somehow. 
I will be in a few weeks. I'm not yet. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Um, but that's that's the most recent thing that we did. Okay, that so let's talk about it. let's talk about how the pandemic. I I was telling you, Stuart, before we came on the air, that the people who watch the show are sort of the COVID crazies. I was going live seven days a week during the first year <laughs> wow. plus of the pandemic because I had nothing else to do, and neither did my people out there. So how did what were you doing? When the lights went out, as I said, were you in the middle of something? Uh, did it did it disrupt your life? What, what, where were you guys at? No, we were we were lucky enough, uh, you know, not to. I know this sounds strange, but not to be working. I mean, so we didn't have to disrupt our lives. My uh -huh. kids, my my wife and my uh, son and his wife, were lucky enough to work from home, so they have jobs that they can work from home. So that didn't affect them. So that mm -hmm. really took the pressure off me, you know, emotionally and physically. Uh, during the pandemic, my God, we stayed, we stayed home, you know, 24 seven, like everybody else. What happened, which was lucky is that some friends in Hawaii, Mark Beltzman and, uh, and did a uh, play uh, written for Zoom. He wrote a play, St. Mary's Immaculate Conception Reunion. It was about, it was a murder mystery. And every, every night there was a different murder. He wrote different endings. So he wrote that play for Zoom. And wow. that kept us, that kept a lot of us, it kept me going through many months of the pandemic because we did it. People actually paid to, to watch it and the money went to, the, to a, a theater in Hawaii to fund that. But that was, uh, we did that a lot. Wow. The first thing we filmed it and it was a lifesaver uh, being able to look forward to that. I played a priest. It was a character role. <laughs> <laughs> And, and did you guys play by, because I, did you play by the rules? Did you stay home? I, you were saying you stayed home yeah. at the beginning, but like, I still haven't reimmersed in life. I still haven't been to a movie. I haven't been to an event. I haven't flown. Have you done all that stuff? Not a movie, not an event. We flew, you know, about a year ago to North Carolina to see some family. Uh, that's it. We were nervous about it. Uh, I was going to say, how was that? And, and it was it was a little bit nerve wracking. We mm -hmm. we got we got as many shots as we could. My kids are out of town going to weddings now, and you know until they get home safe, it, it makes it makes you nervous. But during the pandemic, we we did we 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 played by the rules. We we stayed home, watching a lot of crap television. There was some good television though too. Binged a, I've binged a lot of good things. Like what? Like what? Um, oh God, you pick, I, I binge like every, well, I just re-binged The Sopranos, which held up brilliantly. And I'm re-binging now uh, Six Feet Under, but there's a lot of new stuff. I, I like Hacks. I'm Lorraine Newman's daughter, Hannah Einbinder is in it. And I think her and Jean Smart are wonderful. But but The Fall with uh, um, Gillian Anderson and, and a, a lot of dark stuff, uh, Happy oh. Family, I, I, I you know, you're catching me off guard. I've binged a ton of stuff and I've really, I'm going to send you a list afterwards. I have okay. a list and I really found some great stuff over the Joy and I watch a lot of the British <coughs> cozy mysteries and and I've been watching things like the Borgias and, and the Medici's and there was a thing about Vikings called Last Kingdom. This is recent stuff okay. that I, I really like. You might not. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty, you know, it's violent and there, I love I love dark. There's a documentary called The Staircase about the true guy, and then there's the the the, the HBO version with Colin Firth that's going on. Uh, but the documentary on Netflix was fascinating. That's good. Of course, you send me those links. We've been watching recently. Our kids our kids told us to watch Severance. 
which was a series on. I, we tried one episode of that. I didn't like I it. I did too. Let me tell you something. Years ago, they said, watch The Wire. And I said, okay, we watched. I saw one episode of that. Let me tell you something. I watched one episode, Joy, and I said, I can't, we can't do this too. And the kid said, please, please stick with it. Turned out to be the best television show on television. And that's just Tom, not my just, this is This is what everybody tells me. Well, I couldn't understand with, a word. I, I need subtitles with it. I know. Believe me, we do that. We call it We call it BBCing it. You put on the subtitles, even if it's- Yes, absolutely. Did you watch Ted Lasso? No, I saw one couldn't, episode. Couldn't, all right. Couldn't watch Ted Lasso. Forced myself to stick with it. Let me tell you, one of the most worthy experiences I've really? ever had watching television. See? It gets so deep. You can't go by that first episode. I'm telling you, it no, gets I so deep. I understand because the same thing with Wire and the same thing with Severance. We turned Severance off and the kids said, please yeah. watch it. Now it's, it's dark. If you like dark. I love dark. Then you should watch, stick with Severance. Get through that first episode and then, and then let me know. All right, I'm going to go back, but I'm telling you the same thing. I know thing you don't want to do it. I'm telling you, Ted Lasso, I, I fought it, fought it, fought it, and wow, All right. I just because loved it you, so. Because of you, I'm, I'm going to revisit. Give, give it another try. It's, One more try. it's very, the, the humanity of it gets pretty amazing. Um, so do you guys go to restaurants? Yes. Do you eat I'm inside? Not. Yes. See, I haven't done this yet. So you're very, you're braver than I am. I'm a little braver. Uh, um, of course, we're, as you probably are, we're like vaxxed and boosted. So. Oh, God, yeah. I've had my third boost. Third? Well, maybe I should look into that. Yep. I got my second boost in, in September. So after six months, if you're over 65. I can get a third one. boost? I can, can get, get a third a, boost? Yep. Well, I'm only 43, but I, I, I can wait. You can... <laughs> You'll have to wait a few years, but then you can get the third. You have to wait a few years, then you can get the third boost. <laughs> oh my God. But you know, so before this is the last, I promise. So Paul Williams was Paul Williams was supposed to be here tonight and he double booked and he's a friend and he's done my living room. He's lovely. And you said that, okay, Gary Marshall, one of my favorite people on the planet, did my living room when his book came out. He, the ladies in the kitchen, he was, I love Gary. And you did Happy Days live at the Falcon Theater, yes? Yeah, three, three versions of it, three different casts. He wow. did it three times. And then- Over uh, what, over what year span? Probably a year and a half, maybe two. I, I may be exaggerating. It might've been, it might've been and, short. And back about 15 years ago or so? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he- and then he he found a cast he liked. He didn't want me apparently, and he and he took it out, you know. And he and he sort of around the country. It wasn't real successful because it's hard. He struggled really hard to get that show to work as a as a as a theater piece. I can't imagine it as a theater piece. Well, there you go. There you go. The second version, Paul Williams and Carol King did the music and lyrics. What? Yes, yes. And that was just being in the room with those two. Oh Paul my Williams. gosh. Paul Williams, Carol King. I mean, you look at these people and go, that's Paul Williams, that's Carol King. <laughs> you know, it was I just- I can't been... imagine them collaborating. That's well, interesting. Well, you know something? It's been, it's been a long time. I don't even know if I, except for being in it, heard or remember the music. You could probably get it somewhere. You know, wow. if, you're, if you're friends with Gary Marshall and you know his family, I'm sure they'll give you you know, well, I, Gary, but yeah, not his, I don't know. I've only met his daughter once. And, and I don't know his family either, but yeah, Paul, she was, again, again, Carol King was actually very nice to me. 
uh, again, remember I told you Graziella Danielle, the choreographer and Joseph, mm -hmm. the, the voice guy didn't want me and she said comedy trumps singing. Well, the same thing happened with Miss King. I was doing something in a, in a choreographed number and I did something, which I always do, I just do stuff. And the choreographer said, no, it's not gonna work. And Carol King says, excuse me, comedy trumps choreography. And let it So, and I've never, those two examples in my life, I've never forgotten that those people had my back and, you know, and I'll always be grateful to her. Besides they're, you know, they're legends, they're icons there. Oh. Phenomenal. So exciting. Stuart, how do you learn lines? Of, how I don't know. I mean, I know back in the day, memorization was something that I could do. How do you do it now? How do you learn lines? Well, you know, the fact is I don't have to learn a lot of lines. A lot of things that I do, like these podcasts and stuff, you, you, you read the scripts. Uh, but the interesting about learning, the more you do it, like not necessarily the news, when you started the season or maybe even mm -hmm. the series, you get these pages of, you know, hi, this is Bob Charles and we're going to go to Croatia and it was like oh my god toward the end of the season you get 15 pages of heavy material you learn it in two hours I mean the brain wow. does something to you and I'm used to you know we in, in, in stock summer theater I was going to say when you're doing theater well you do the play at night you know you rehearse during the day right you do the play another play at night and then you come back to your room because you don't mess around and you learn that day's work mm -hmm. and I'm you know Joy always says you, you always you're always hard on yourself because I always learn, them, mm -hmm. but I'm nervous about it. And, you know, and it's, and most actors would say the learning line is not the favorite thing in the world. You know, if you had long, you know, in summer stock or summer theater, you know, maybe a week and a half to, mm -hmm. to, to do it. If you're work, working on a Broadway show and you do it over and over again, you know, you, you, the lines come to you. Joy is, is amazing. Learning lines. I'm not, I, I, maybe, maybe I am, but I don't believe in myself. So I have to struggle. I, you know, I, I learn the lines, I, I, you know, I take a shower, I get in the bed with the script, I learn them just before I go to bed, so that they'll stick with me. And that's the way it was for years. How do you learn? So you, you did, I don't anymore. I, I do talk shows, so I don't have I don't to learn it. anything. I can just talk. So when you did some work during the pandemic, so what was that like? Uh, you have three projects coming out, I see on IMDb, or you have two that came out and one is about to come out. Um, oh, you have something oh. in post-production. Oh, uh, what is it? Do you, have, do you have the name of it? All right, wait, I'm going to your IMDb so I can do this. Well, Deep in the Forest, we did, and that's out. That's out. Okay, so, so then you have Kickback coming out? Kickback oh, you're in pre-production. Yeah, Kickback is not is not happening. It probably won't happen. Okay, but you yeah. have Pilot Season. Well, that, that's, yes. Neil Gordon is a producer, writer that, that I work with. I, I, you know, his daughter, Victoria, and that family does small, small films. So I do do that, you know, with him. But the other movie that's interesting uh, is it's Marion Hartley and her husband, Jerry Sroka, did a, an autobiographical movie. Our almost, our almost perfect, it, it might be there, our almost accurate life story. And it was basically, they wrote a movie about Marriott and Jerry and how they met. And they asked all their friends. Yes, our almost completely true story. Yes, I see that. That's it. And that that they've been shopping that around the festivals and I think they've been very successful. I have a, I have a wonderful little scene, but a little scene in it. And, uh, and she asked all her friends to come in and do bits and pieces in it. And that hopefully will come out sometime, you know, soon. I think I've actually interviewed a few people that are also in that film. So did you, um... Did, were you on set? Was it COVID 
friend, how did they handle that? It wasn't, I think it was before COVID. Because oh, okay. I don't remember masks. We were outside, the set that mm -hmm. I was, we're outside. I don't think it, so that would have made it what? Late. It says 2022 on IMDb, but that's not okay. accurate. But that's, okay. that, that's, you know, that's when maybe it's being released. No, I don't remember any COVID uh, issues. I don't remember wearing masks. We just, you know, showed up, did the stuff and went home. That's so now, if you got called tomorrow to come in and do uh, a guest spot on a series, and you're going to go, are are you still nervous about? Did you get? Have you had COVID? No. Me either. Yeah. <laughs> so, so are you still a little? Or are you not anxious about it anymore? I'm. It. I'm not anxious if if as I've heard they do on sets follow COVID protocol. Mm -hmm. you know keep people make sure to test them some people you know they test them every day mm -hmm. uh, i know that i'm boosted so i would go in with a mask i would be wary not nervous you know uh, and i wouldn't do it if i was nervous because then it would affect the work and i Absolutely. don't want to be looking over my shoulder at somebody sneezing when you're trying to work but i i would do i had one job during the pandemic that uh, it was a voiceover and i went mm -hmm. into a studio and they had it cleaned and bags over the microphone and bags over the you know they they really cleaned it and the people were i never saw another person but that's the only thing that i did out and they said to me are you okay with that i said yeah yeah and i and i was we didn't even talk about all you've done so much voiceover work and dinosaurs emmy emmy winning show and is that fun for you that has to be fun to do voiceover work i would think i always well voiceover work Cartoons and dinosaurs are different. Well, you know, cartoons, as you know, you get in a room with a bunch of very funny, talented people and you do the script and then they animate you. Dinosaurs, the Henson people did the, did the script, moving the mouths of the puppets and you had to go back in the studio and replace the, the voices of the puppeteer. My oh. puppeteer was, he's a little English guy, talk like this. Hello, honey, I'm home. Oh, look at all Well, they didn't want that. They wanted Earl to do that. So that's, that we had to do that. And it was, it was, a little frustrating because you had you relegated to the, to the movements, but eventually you got used to it. They got used to me. And uh, it was a job I used to say in the beginning, I loved having it and didn't really enjoy doing it because you're in a mm. studio for eight hours and, uh, and you have to make sure that everything syncs up. You got to try to get your creativity into the mat, into the puppeteer's creativity so that it all works. But yeah, I mean, dinosaurs, again, another great thing. And now that it's been released on Disney Plus, people really are revisiting and re reintroducing themselves to dinosaurs. So that's cool. Very cool. So, all right. So, real life question. So, I for one want to go see Top Gun because I I hate those kind of movies, but I've heard it's phenomenal. But I don't want to go to the movie theater. Would you go? Have you gone to the movie theater? No, no, no. I don't think, I don't think I will do that yet, especially with this new stuff coming out. I, my I son just got it from a concert. Your son got COVID? For the first time, yes. He right, just he right. went to a concert, no mask, got COVID. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I, I, I am. It's, it's a, it's He's not. doing fine. He actually had a very mild case. He was all boosted and everything. Very mild case. And he's negative now and he's okay. Yeah, and he works yeah. from home, so it was okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not ready to go to a movie. I'm yeah. not ready to go to a play. I've had friends who were nervous people. And they've gone to plays and so we sit there with masks. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I mean, I'm a certain age now that 
that I'm more vulnerable than you younger. Well, so how do you go to a restaurant? How do you do the indoor restaurant no, thing? You know, it's, it's I, I don't go to a bistro where people are sitting, you know, three feet apart. Right. People are like these Froman's, do you ever hear Froman's Deli? Of course. Yeah, of course. That's where we go. We meet friends Sunday for brunch. Basically, that's what we do. There's mm -hmm. some restaurants in the Palisades that, uh, that we eat outside. We, mm -hmm. we do that. Well, outside, yeah, I do that. Yeah, but Froman's is probably the only place that we eat inside. Mm -hmm. uh, and and that's a, a sacrifice our friends would prefer not to, but I'm not that nervous about it because it's a big space, you know, and people are not, you know, sitting around. Uh, but yeah, they, uh, look, you know, you can't, you got to live your life, as we say in the trade. Well, a lot of people are living as if, most people, it seems, are living as if there's no, as if it doesn't ha exist anymore. Now that's a problem. It appears. That's a problem. Because I think, uh, from what I know uh, from from the inter from the interweb and from doctors that I know, uh, it's going to be with us for a long time, if not forever. And there's always going to be strains. The thing about COVID is, and I don't, I'm not a doctor, but I have played one on TV. <laughs> yes, that the more the more variants there are, mm -hmm. the weaker they get. I mean, a, a, a virus doesn't exist by dying; it exists mm -hmm. by by changing. And when it mm -hmm. changes, the it medically, it gets weaker and weaker. That's why people can have COVID and get very mild symptoms, especially if they're boosted. Right. But, you know, like I, I, like a lot of people, we're going to, it's going to be with us maybe, you know, once a year of COVID shot, like a flu shot. It's just going to be. That's okay with me, but I want to be able to go back to the movies. I want to be able to go see my friends in their I plays. Mean, you know, some, I, I, I agree with you. It's a, it's a loss. It's a loss. It's not as much of a loss as people who are really suffering. Right. You know, for COVID. So I, you got to say to yourself, hey, you know, count yourself lucky. Uh, but yes, I would love to, and, mo and a great many people would love to reintroduce themselves into the normalcy of their own lives. Absolutely. So are you working, are you constantly doing like the Zoom? Are you doing stuff moving forward? No, not really. Mm -hmm. So not how really. are you feeling? Your how are you enjoying your time? Um, I've been, I've been, believe it or not, I've been going, taking an exercise, going through exercise programs. I swim two or three times a week at the Y and I, and I just signed up for, for a, a, it's called a slow motion, high intensity weightlifting program, which I recommend, which is really great. So I've been doing that, uh, on the days that I'm not doing anything, I just kick around the house, you know, uh, I love it. and, uh, and if I'm lucky enough to talk to wonderful people like you, I'll do that. I mean, I've done a lot of podcasts for this Deep in the Forest movie that's coming out. I mean, they had a publicist, so they set up a lot of podcasts. So that 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 takes some time, and happy to do it. So Deep in the Forest, we can see on Spectrum or VOD, they call it Video on Demand, okay. whatever that is. And I don't know what that is. <laughs> okay. You know, I, I really you just don't. have to do it. You don't have to know what it is. I don't have to know what it is. <laughs> We, we know there's light. We don't have to know how it gets in the bulb. We I don't know, know how electricity works. What the hell do I care? No, so we don't have to know. <laughs> Stuart, thank you so much for, oh, honey, this it's been so nice to get to know you and you jumped right in and you're, you just have great energy and willingness. And I'm so grateful. Well, you're a pretty terrific interviewer too. Well, thank you and so there, much. There are some like you out there, but not a lot. Thank you so. There's no one like me, Stuart. There's no one. Didn't I say that? I said there's no one like. <laughs> that's what you said. I, there that's are what I heard. There are imitators, but there is no equal. There you go.
Well, I hope one day to meet you in the real world Nothing and right. come see you do your thing. And uh, again, thank you so much for doing this and for jumping in. I'm very grateful. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Ted Lasso. I'm going to, I'm going to, there's a test. Ted Lasso. I'm going to do it. I'm okay. going to do it. Bye-bye. Thank you.